Good morning, everybody, and welcome to First Parish in Concord. It's a little bit strange to gather this way, but uh, your church staff is here in the chapel, and we are live broadcasting our service probably for the first time. Imagine what Ezra Ripley would think if he saw this now. A man who served this congregation for 63 years and saw it through changes large and small, he would probably just smile and say, oh, this is what church is in the 21st century. We want to welcome all of you to worship this morning, and we want you to participate however you can. We are worshiping here at church, and we invite you to do that at home. So if you have a family chalice or a personal chalice, please find that and get ready to light it. You can light it right when we light ours here. That will connect you to what's going on here at the church. Likewise, if you know the song that's being sung and you want to hum along or sing the words, uh, sing along right there in your own home. It'll feel weird. It'll be strange. But do it anyway because it'll feel great. And when Liz offers the prayer, just pray right along with her. So we invite you to continue with us in worship, to participate in whatever ways you can, and to know that you are held in love this morning and that you are, in fact, at church. Welcome to First Parish in Concord this morning. For our call to worship, I have a reading by the poet Wendell Berry. It's one that I've used many, many times in my life, and it always, always offers me reassurance. He says, When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Let us worship together. Our opening hymn is a song called Kindred, We Now Meet to Worship. The words were written yesterday by my colleague Tommy Snell in Rochester. The tune will be familiar to you. Feel free to hum along as Anderson and I sing these new words to the tune of Blue Boat Home. Worship. 
Thank you, Beth, and thank you, Anderson. It is good to be together today in spirit, even as we gather at a time of distancing. We know that we are called to gather in new ways. We know that this distancing, this newness, is an expression of our love and our care for one another. And so we light this chalice this morning with these words adapted from Reverend Monica Jacobson Tennyson. We kindle our separate flames and this flame as a reminder of our connection. We kindle these separate flames and yet we know somehow our flames are one. From our separate flames, may we be reminded of our community and our shared light. And let us join in the response to our chalice lighting, those words we say each week for grounding and solace and inspiration. O flame of our faith, open our hearts and fill our bodies and souls with persistent strength. Enliven our spirits and engage us deeply in this life of ours, this sacred, essential moment now. Good morning. This morning I wanted to share a story with you because I want to reassure our young people that this service is for you. It's not just for the adults. So today I'd like to share a story with you from this book. It's called Stories in Faith, Exploring Our Unitarian Universalist Principles and Sources Through Wisdom Tales. It was, the author is Gail Forsyth Vale. She is a religious educator. And this folktale that I'm about to share with you is from the Canton province of China. Like all great folk tales, it's been told and retold many ways. This one was recreated by Lawrence Yep. We are all one. Once upon a time, there was a rich man who had a disease in his eyes. No matter how much he spent on medicines and doctors, nothing was found to cure his sight. Desperate he offered a large reward to anyone who could bring him a cure. In that same city, there lived a peddler who was kind, but very poor. He had once heard of a miracle herb that might cure the rich man's disease. So he decided to go into the woods to see if he could find it. In his travels, he came across a tiny stream. And when he looked closer, he noticed that there was a rock in the stream that was causing it to dam and flood an ant's nest. And so the man took a stick and he dug a channel which helped the water to flow another way. As he rescued the ants, he said, we are all one. And he continued on his search. As the man continued on his way, 
he began to grow tired. Oh, whew. maybe I'll just, just lay down and have a little nap. And so that's what he did. While the man was sleeping, he had the most peculiar dream. He dreamed that he was standing before the ant queen. Don't be frightened. You tamed the great flood, saving our home. In return, you need only ask and we will help you. We are all one. When the peddler awoke from his dream, he walked for some time. And soon he came across an old temple that was empty and would be a good place to stay for the night. Just as he was about to enter the temple, he noticed a centipede moving as fast as his legs could carry him towards the very same door. And then he noticed that there was a bird about to eat the centipede. And so the man swooshed the bird away and carefully carried the centipede in his hands into the temple. He found him a, some leaves to eat and a cozy place to sleep for the night. Soon darkness fell, and in the night, the peddler heard a voice that said, There's a tree south of here with two trunks, a most unusual tree. At its foot there is an old magic bead. If this bead is dissolved and drank, then eyesight will return. So the next day, the peddler set out in search for this unusual tree. And it was almost sunset when he found himself leaning against a tree that he slowly realized had two trunks. And as he began to look for the magic bead, he realized that his eyes were too tired to be able to make out any bead in the leaves at the base of that tree. Then he had an idea. Ants, ants, please come help me and find the bead. We are all one. The ants came moving in and around and among the leaves. And the man was delighted to, to see two ants emerge from the leaves. And each one of them was carrying a bead, the magic bead. After thanking the ants again and again, the peddler took the magic bead and brought it back to the rich man. He told him to dissolve it in water and drink. The rich man did and his sight returned. His eyes were healed. He rewarded the poor peddler 
handsomely so that he lived in comfort the rest of his days. The reason I wanted to share this folktale with you is that it captures many things that we are experiencing at this moment. We are woken up. Our consciousness has been raised to the fact that we are all one. That is why our routines have been disrupted, why we are spending time at home, finding new ways to learn, to worship, to run our businesses in different ways. But at the same time, I want us all to be aware that we are connected in powerful, healing ways. I want you to notice that in the story, it was the very poor man who found the miracle herb. He was the one who woke up the rich man to the fact that we are all one. It is only through our connections with each other that we can create a more sustainable world. And so I invite you, all ages, this week as your regular routine has changed, to be mindful of those people who help you. Maybe it will be pets, maybe it'll be a bird singing outside or the crocus that are pushing up through the cold mud. Let us be mindful that we are all connected. We depend on each other for help. We depend upon each other to create the world that we dream about. Blessed be. Thank you, Amy. And I'm so glad so many kids have joined us this morning. I want to offer a poem now. This is the poem by Lynn Unger, who's also a Unitarian Universalist minister and a really wonderful poet. This poem has gone viral in the best sense of the word. Uh, and so I want to offer it uh, for you. You may have actually seen it come through electronically some way in this week. This is her poem, Pandemic, by Lynn Unger. Pandemic. What if you thought of it as the Jews consider the Sabbath, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel, cease from buying and selling. Give up, just for now, on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has come clear. Do not reach out your hands, reach out your heart. Reach out your words, reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. The message you get this morning from all of us is going to be the same. 
We're just in uncharted territory here, and the very best thing we can do is everything that we can do to make this pandemic go by quickly. My dearest hope is that at the end of this, we all say, well, that was a great big nothing, wasn't it? I mean, that would be great, but I don't think that's what's going to happen, but that should be our goal. To stay connected in the ways that we can stay connected, there are lots of amazing electronic ways to do that. The telephone works really wonderfully, and I want you to encourage you to stay connected with one another. And also, just do everything that we're being asked to do by our state and local and national governments to keep folks from being infected. But to reach out, like the poem says, reach out in love. Think about those people, maybe friends you haven't connected with in a few years. Just give them a call. It might be an awkward conversation to begin with, but you can just say, you've got a great excuse now. You can just say, I was feeling kind of lonely, and isn't the world a little nutty now? And I was thinking of you, and I wanted to give you a call. Pay attention to the news, but not too much attention to it. Pay attention to your Facebook feed, but not too much attention to it. Go on Twitter occasionally, but very occasionally. Because the other side of this is the way that we care for ourselves. Because if we are resilient through this, if we don't allow ourselves to panic, if we stay some of the folks who are able to keep a clear head, to remember what to do, to get back to the basics, then we'll be helping all of this pass over. This is a great time to do some stuff around the house. Sort those files, clean the basement, get to all of those things that you have been putting off for years. This is an amazing opportunity. It's also an amazing opportunity to play with your children, to walk your dog more than it gets walked usually, to go for a walk yourself or a bike ride. The thing we don't want to do is we don't want to be afraid of one another. We want to be able to connect warmly and with great love as we look at someone, as we say hello to them, especially your neighbors. They're going to need to know that you're just as friendly now as you ever were, even though you can't come right on up to them and shake their hands or give them a hug. And the same goes for church. It is a deep spiritual commitment to stay connected to this world and to not hide from it, but to do what we can, where we can, to make it be more loving and more connected. So you all have been granted a great big Sabbath. Just use it well. Use it as a time to go inward with your own thoughts, write some of that down, call folks, do those projects around the house, and know that someday when this is over, we'll all connect and that we'll see you in one form or another every week at this time, and that we're still together as a congregation. I love you all. Be safe. And remember, you are a beloved congregation.
share this morning. It's called Lockdown, and it was written by Father Richard Hendrick, a Franciscan father. Yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic buying. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. They say that a, that a hotel in the west of Ireland 
is offering free meals in delivery to the household. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call on. Today, synagogues, churches, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality. To how big we really are. To how little control we really have. To what really matters. To love. So we pray, and we remember that, yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. Yes, there is even death but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as how to live now. Today, breathe. Listen, behind the factory noises of your panic, the birds are singing again, the sky is clearing, spring is coming, and we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul and though you may not be able to touch across the empty space, sing. When we gather each week, we come together in songs, happy and sad and everything in between. And today we do so from our homes, knowing that our connections remain strong. It is right and good to be holding one another in care this way. And shall we sing? Let us sing, Spirit of Life. Spirit of life, spirit of love, 
in this time of so many unknowns, worry over what is to come, anxiety that grips our hearts and our stomachs. May we know what we can and cannot control. May we rest when we can and feel our hearts loosen and the windows of our hearts open. May we take action where we can, even when that action is to stay home, when it feels like an inaction. May we make peace with the questions. May we trust that each day will unfold, that we can stay in touch with each other, that we can take each day as it comes. So many of us are feeling sadness or anger over the changes in our lives. Disappointment that events we had looked forward to have been canceled or postponed. Mixed feelings about no longer going to school or to work or to church. Grief and longing for the people who we see every day and can no longer touch. May we name those feelings. May we acknowledge and honor them so that we can move through them. We pray for ourselves and for one another. And at the same time, we pray for our wider community, for our whole world, for we are all one, all across our world. We lift up people with compromised immune systems, elders, everyone who is more vulnerable to illness. We lift up those for whom physical distancing is hard, especially folks with depression, anxiety, other mental illnesses that might be heightened. By isolation. We lift up those who are worried financially, especially people who are more likely to be laid off than to be allowed to work from home. People who have been out of work or are underemployed. May all people who are at higher risk, who are worried about what these next days or weeks will be like, may they be protected as much as possible. We pray also in celebration of our collective power celebration and gratitude 
that our healthcare workers are dedicated to helping and to healing. That our churches and schools can be churches and schools without walls. That we as individuals and families can choose to respond to one another with kindness and compassion. That all of us are saying yes to the call for physical distance without losing our connection with each other. We pray in gratitude for these things and for the small joys of our daily lives. And I pray for each person in this congregation, for you, my beloveds, that you may know and feel my love and care, the love and care of Howard and Amy and Beth and Adrian, our whole staff team, everybody who is here for you. In the week ahead, may we remember that we are all one. And may we know that we are joined in our hearts. May all who are in pain find solace. May all who celebrate find their joy doubled. May each of us, by our daily living, make our world a better place. Let us abide in this silence for a while and then sing again together. are here for you. And I know and trust that you are here for one another. We have lots of opportunities to continue connecting. We can meet one-on-one or in small groups by Zoom or by phone. There are new ways to gather. 
and many of our regular groups will be shifting to Zoom meetings. Others of our groups are going to be new, new groups like more small group ministries, general times to chat, including tomorrow right around late morning and lunchtime, I'll be hosting a Zoom session for anyone who wants to just come and join together in conversation. You might see some old friends, you might meet some new ones. Some groups that are launching, such as Beloved Conversations and a support group for parents that are both short-term groups, those will continue as planned, just online. And of course, there are old-fashioned card and letter-writing campaigns that can happen, and there are ways to connect that we haven't even thought of yet. So I'm here for you, and we are here for you, and I trust and call on you to be here for one another. Some of you have already offered ways that you can help, such as bringing groceries to someone in our community who has a hard time getting them for themselves. That is great. Keep that coming, and we'll let you know too. Check in on your friends and your neighbors. The folks you sit next to in church but might not talk to so much, this is a great time, as Howard said, to start that conversation or to pick up an old friendship that you haven't had as live in recent years. And think, too, of who might be more isolated, who might not be able as easily to reach out by email or by Zoom, who might just need that extra call. And if you are one of those folks who's needing that extra call, please let us know. And regardless of where you are on that spectrum, remember what Mr. Rogers says, look for the helpers. In any situation, no matter how hard, there are always people who are helping to make it better. Look for the helpers and be a helper. And as Lynn Ungar says, reach out your heart, reach out your words, and reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch, but be in touch. Good morning. Hi, Miley. <laughs> Hi. I'm Miley Houlihan. When our children were in elementary school 17 years ago, my sister and I decided to go church shopping. We live in Sudbury and Lincoln, so we looked in nearby towns, mostly at UU churches. We were raised in a dual religion home, and we had married men who practiced those faiths but they didn't resonate with us. We'd done quite a bit of spiritual seeking, and we wanted our children to be exposed to a garden of spiritual practices so they could pick the bouquet that they were attracted to. We weren't keen for them to be filled with religious dogma. As we visited churches, we had a list of criteria. Liveliness was at the top. We wanted to belong to a congregation that was doing good work both inside and outside of the church, and First Parish fit that bill. There is a palpable energy here. 
And as I learned from Howard recently, there's about 1,349 meetings and events here a year. So we act as a community center for Concord when we're not purposely distancing to contain a virus. So my sister and I never considered what First Parish expected from us. We assumed they'd embrace us. We're nice people. We're lots of fun. And we pay religious education. So we that is our dues. But it soon became clear that we needed to become official members and sign the book. Our arms were twisted a bit, but because we had never belonged to a church, we had no idea what to pledge. And church budgets weren't so thoroughly discussed at that time. We had no idea that it costs about $2,000 a household to keep the doors open here and the ministries thriving. My sister and I debated what was the right number, and we had no guideposts. I can tell you at the time, my son played two sports every season, including hockey, which is one of the most expensive occupations for a child. We were willing to shell out for sports, but for church, not so much. My sister and I started out by pledging $350 a year each for a total of $700. I've increased my pledge every year, but my sister no longer comes. My husband remains a Catholic, and he pledges there. So what is the right pledge number for a retired one-person household whose portfolio was just clobbered in the market? <laughs> well... I'm considering not just my own needs, but the wider world's. We are at a watershed moment in this country. We're at a time when people and institutions are being tested. And I want First Parish to remain strong. I know if I become ill with the coronavirus, that someone from this congregation will take one of those frozen dinners from the freezer and drop it outside my door. Or they'll be kind to me in another way. Because as a wise elder in this church told me recently, the opposite of independence is not dependence, it's community. And I know that things are going to get worse before they get better. But as a community, we will get through this together. We will meet the challenges. We will do you the vote. We will advocate for people and the planet. We will be part of the solution. And that's invaluable. So I will meet the 520 challenge and increase my pledge by $10 a week or $520 a year. I know I have at least a $10 a week cookie habit. And I think giving that up will be a win-win situation for both of us. No more chocolate chip cookies, better outcome for First Parish. So I'll meet my responsibility to pledge $2,000 or more to the church this year. 
And if you can afford it, I hope that you'll join me because one of us is going to win the raffle prize. Thank you. Thank you, Miley. And it is pledge season. So you can, one of the tasks that you can do in the next week is go to the First Parish website. There are easy instructions there about how to fill out a pledge. You can just do it all online. Um, if that's not something you're comfortable with, just give uh, Fifi Ball or Tina Story a call and they'll get back to you and they'll help you figure this out. We don't even need physical pledge cards. You can just give us a number and we'll happily consider it a pledge and add it into the budget. Miley, you want to grab that snazzy, I met the 520 challenge sign over there and bring it over and hold it. So this is the, this is the competition this year. We are going to have a really nice prize for anyone who's able to raise their pledge by $10 a week or $520. So consider meeting the 520 challenge and thank you so much for pledging to the church for the coming year. We, it is also time for the offering, and uh, I'm glad that we've had that text number available for months and months now, because I know some of you have it in your phone. Others of you might not. This is the chance to get on board with this technologically. You can, of course, still mail in your pledge checks to the church. That will work just fine, or if you have online giving, that will continue as well. But if you'd like to give a little bit of extra this morning, uh, you can go ahead and text the number that will be appearing on your screen right now, and uh, we'd be most appreciative of your gifts. So please, let a morning offering for the good work and witness of First Parish in Concord now be taken. Thank you very much. Thursday evening, I met a hungry man at the door of our church, unaware that Open Table could not provide him with a hot meal here during this crisis. I communicated with this month's Share the Plate Immigrant Rights Organization. A new law makes it harder for immigrants to apply for permanent residency if they have used any public services, even in an emergency such as this. And this pandemic is related in crucial ways to the climate crisis. Yes, social action is continuing at our church. Coronavirus goes slam, bang, right into the social action issues that UUs are concerned about. And we UUs are best poised to take advantage of the crisis and ramp up our justice work to have a greater impact for good. Spoiler alert, one hub of this action work 
is a vibrant, newly revamped Facebook page. This growing health and economic catastrophe lays bare severe inequities that are already impacting racial, immigrant, and an environmental justice, healthcare access, women and children vulnerabilities, food security, prison reform, human rights, and democracy. This is a great time for social action. The global pandemic could finally open people's eyes to the fact that we are one small world, which must see itself as one great family. First Parish and Concord will surely model the precepts of beloved community to protect and nurture each other. We will also make the circle wider and include efforts for people outside of our immediate community. While continuing ongoing social action projects, I am now enjoying working with many of you to develop new projects that take this scary world into account. My virtual door will continue to be wide open for daily communication with you. And I invite your comments on this topic on First Parish Social Action Facebook page, where you will find timely resources to do this important work. There's an article on Corona and Climate by Bill McKibben, and an article about the new federal immigration laws um, on public services. This week, I will be highlighting virus and climate information and also action steps for adults and families. Which topics would you like me to highlight in the coming weeks? Food insecurity, prison conditions? Let me know and let's jump into it. Thank you, Adrian. As we begin to close our service this morning, I want to invite you to stay connected with us. Uh, the First Parish website is the best place to get information. Also, please pay attention to that FP Weekly email that we send to you. I know things unfold quickly, so sometimes we have to send a message once or twice or even three times, and I hope that uh, the congregation that's meeting online will grow and grow and grow. My apologies to anybody who was just not able to get online this week and needs to watch the recording of that. We'll have this recording uh, posted on the website as well. And as Liz said, if you'd like to just see a friendly face and check in tomorrow, uh, there'll be information that goes out. You can meet between 11 and 1 o'clock uh, with her tomorrow on Zoom. But now let us sing our closing song. It's one that we all know really well. You can just sing along, belt it out at home if you'd like. Let's sing, come sing a song with me.
as we go forth from this place. It has been such a lovely thing to have worshipped with you this morning. I hope that you have felt some peace and some calm and some hope and some joy in your lives. We are here with you through this, and we will remain strong as a congregation. And now, please join in speaking our usual benediction. To the world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, return to no person evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all beings.